Hello, it's Julie Bindle, and today I'm speaking with a very unlikely feminist ally, Buck Angel, who is a trans man, a biological female, a former porn actor, and a purveyor of sex toys for trans men. I'm obviously extremely critical of transgender ideology and also of the porn industry. So how is it that me and Buck ended up being very friendly, developing a camaraderie and having this conversation? Look, Buck, I'm really, really grateful to you for having this conversation with me. Thank you. No, thank you. No, it's just these are the kind of conversations we need to have because we might disagree on things, but I think our ultimate goal is pretty much the same on some level. Just, you know, we're just fighting for the freedom that we've we're losing. But both of us on some level are losing. So again, I really do appreciate um having different opinions is great. I I just really yeah. love that. I don't want to have everyone agree with everything I say. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I used to be, when I was younger, when I was a young feminist and a newish feminist when I was in my 20s, I thought I was right about everything. And it was such a big deal if somebody actually disagreed with me on what I thought was a fundamental issue. And then as time went on, I realised that we've actually got a set of values. And if we share those values, we can be like chalk and cheese about issues whether it's about republicanism or conservatism or being on the left or not, there's scope for that if we share values. T- tell me about your life, Buck. T- tell me, tell me about, tell me how you started out in life. What what life was like for you pre-transition? Um, I had a great childhood. You know, everyone wants to hear, oh God, my childhood sucks, right? Everyone wants to hear, I suffered. Nope, I didn't suffer. You know, I my parents are incredible. I'm very blessed to have parents like I have. They just, you know, I grew up, I'm 60, like I said, and uh, I grew up in the 60s and 70s here in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. And um, I had a really, a, a really normal middle-class childhood. I have two sisters. I'm the middle child. Um, I was a tomboy for sure. No doubt, both of my sisters are very feminine on some level i got boy toys my parents bought me gi joe bought me all kinds of cool stuff they didn't have an issue with me sort of being masculine you know my dad is very macho you know professional football player i grew up around sports and you know go go like totally intense stuff um so i had a very masculine figure in my life that i very much looked up to and wanted to be and um, I think that my dad was a huge influence on my sort of ultra masculine space and what I wanted to achieve. But again, I, you know, no problems. It really didn't happen. I would say my, my major problems were when I got into um, maybe middle school, late middle school, or we call like seventh to ninth grade, right around ninth grade. And um, it wasn't puberty because puberty really started late for me. Right. I think my puberty started around 15 or 16, which I think is late for most females. So it was right. more that I was very masculine and I got teased, you know, but I, I'm fighting Irish, you know, so I would just not take it. I've always been that fighter, to be honest with you. I've always been that guy who said, really, I'll knock you out. So I was knocking the dudes out back in the day. And um, so I got teased for it. So I did get bullying. I got teased. And then in high school, that's pretty much when things just weren't aligned for me. And 
I just didn't fit in. I didn't understand. I knew I was attracted to women, but you know, here's the seventies. You don't talk about that. And then I was also becoming a very big athlete in running and I was really excelling and people were coming after me and certain sports teams were wanting me to run for them. And people wanted to train me for the Olympics. And, you know, I was getting sponsored by Adidas and Nike, and I was just really doing this thing. But here in my private life, I was struggling because I didn't know how to be attracted to girls without being called a lesbian. And our coach said, if we ever become lesbians, he will never coach us again. He said that stuff like that. I dealt with. He actually said that to you. He actually said that to me. All of us on the team. He sat us all down. What a dick. What I know, dick. but that's what, you know, remember, that's what we dealt with back in the day, especially in sports. So remember, right. sports, all of a sudden, we're all butch girls because we were, but not everybody was gay. You know, it was all secret. We would do secret things <laughs> when we go traveling to hotels. We would do secret things. But, you know, it was always like, don't say anything because he said we'll lose our sponsorships. And you know damn well we would have lost our sponsorships. Well, yeah. I mean, I was talking to Martina Navratilova about this. Who's? I mean, we're both sixty. She's she's a, a little bit, a few years older, not 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 very many years older. So same generation. And she said exactly the same. You know, when she came out as a lesbian, it was in the eighties, and she lost every single penny of sponsorship. I remember she was a hero of mine. It's like when you said it, I got chills in my body because she actually tweeted me one time. I was like freaking out because uh, <laughs> uh, I just love she's her. She's fabulous. Oh my God, I love her. She's amazing. We need her so bad. And she just is a champion and a hero. She's a hero of mine. I just love her. She, she She's wonderful. And let me tell you a little story, which is um, when we, a few of us met with JK Rowling, with Joe Rowling, for lunch and we're talking about the kind of hell we'd been put through by the extreme trans activists and we had a bit too much to drink and we whatsapped Martina <laughs> it was very early in her morning and we're all singing and shouting and there were some some quite kind of hardcore lesbian fans there at that lunch Oh, gosh, I miss that. I'll be honest, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm very happy in my transition, but I do miss the camaraderie with my gay women pals who I pretty much lost when I decided to transition, you know. Wow. So that that must have been really tough. That must have been really hard. They, they, you know, called me a traitor and they're disgusted by it and, you know, and didn't understand. I didn't even really understand what I was doing. Yeah. So, you know, I lost my friends and you, that was a, a lesson for me, honestly. It was a lesson in, I, I can only rely on myself. And what happened? I mean, what, what happened when you um, were modeling before you transitioned? So you were, by the looks of the photographs, a kick-ass androgynous looking female model tell me how that felt you were using your body you were celebrating your body but it wasn't the body that you felt comfortable in well I wouldn't even use the word celebrating I was not I was not conscious I was drugged out of my brains <laughs> alcohol drugs right. cocaine anything I could get my grubby little hands on. I did not want to be a model, by the way. I was, you know, really, I was actually discovered, that whole thing. And then I had a girlfriend at the time who was so obsessed with me becoming a model. She sent my photos into elite model management, our actual real modeling agency. 
not like some, you know, something off the internet, but an actual real Molly, I just see. And then they just snagged me up and they were like, we can make you a superstar. And I'm thinking, is alcohol and drugs included? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in modeling, it's, you know, drugs and alcohol are huge problems, aren't they? For male models, for female models. What about, I mean, what do you think it was that made you decide enough is enough and I'm going to live my truth? Yeah, you know, it's it's difficult because I didn't know that I could do this. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have cell phones pretty much. We didn't have this way to sort of Google sex change, which is what we called it back in the day, even though we know we can't change our sex. But I didn't know anything about it. I just knew I felt like a man. That's what I would say. And today, I don't know what that means. So if you ask me that question, I have no idea what it means to be a man. I just know I wanted to sort of be in this space and look more like a man. I didn't want to look. It was I was struggling with my outside appearance and um, the way people would call me she or, you know, beautiful or all the things that they say to women. I struggled with it and I didn't feel connected to it. I felt more connected to masculine sort of spaces when someone would call me handsome oh my god I would just feel so happy or so it really I I struggled in a sense not knowing I could do this I had no clue until I found a therapist who when I finally said I feel like a a man and I was ready for her to say no because every other therapist said no you don't and uh, which is great I, I I'm not saying that what they did is wrong I'm saying what they did is real therapy and um this therapist, though, was willing to have the conversation, and she said, okay, I believe you. Now what? She actually questioned, now what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. So she really instigated what does that mean, and how can we sort of move this forward? But I think the first part was she acknowledged my feelings, and um, I had what never What year were we talking here? Gosh, that was 30. You no, know, maybe it was like 20. It was 31 maybe or so years ago that I started to see her with 32 years ago and then i or, or some no, i transitioned 30 years ago so it was before that yeah right. a couple of years before that and then um, i would say the first time i took the testosterone shot was 30 years ago i think this month or it might be 31 years ago this month um lost track of time but um yeah so she did she on some level validated my feelings but didn't put the stamp of approval that they're doing today there, there was not affirmation therapy it was therapy it took years two years of me going to her before i could start the hormone treatment. And we figured that out just by luck and finding a booklet that a trans woman made and put in the bookstore. Remember different light? Oh no, you're in the UK. There's different light. I'm not sure in the UK, but here in America, we had a bookstore, LGBT bookstore called A Different Light in West Hollywood. And that's where I just found this pamphlet with all these doctors, all these things, all these hormones, but for men becoming women, there was nothing right. for women becoming men. I just flipped, flipped it. Explain to our listeners why you couldn't have occupied the space that you wish to occupy as a butch lesbian. I know it's so sad, isn't it? I wished I could. To this day, I still think about could I have continued? In fact, I think I think of it more today than I ever have with all the new stuff that's happening and the way they're pushing kids and the way they're pushing people to transition. I think to myself, could I have continued to live in that female space? I couldn't have. I was, you know, all the all the time in the back of my head, you know, I thought I did have suicidal thoughts. I did. And I would say, if this doesn't work out, I'll just kill myself. It was sort of my out. And I hate saying it, but, you know, I really, 
I really hate saying it now, which is not good because people are using suicide now, I feel, in a way to manipulate the trans dialogue. And so not to say that many of us don't have suicidal ideation, but I think lots of people do. I don't think it's just in the trans space, but I just wasn't feeling, I wasn't, I just didn't like it. And I knew something inside of me said, I have to be a man. I can't really tell you other than my own feelings. And, you know, remember I did live as a lesbian and a butch lesbian for at least 10 years and celebrated that. But even in those times, I would tell my lovers to call me a man. I would have them call me the boy, you know, the the buck name. I would have be very masculine. I wasn't comfortable sexually with my body. I would do stuff with the lights out unless I was really drunk or high. Then you could sort of touch my body. Just the typical, very masculine, I think very similar stories. And did you think that um you would become a man or did you accept that you would live as a man did you think about what that life would be like pre-transition no no i did not i mean thinking back i thought i was going to become a man i actually did there's no doubt about it i actually and i felt like i was becoming a man remember 30 years ago i've grown a lot since then and um you know i was young you know i was young and i was on some kind of journey seeking and, and i did get sober prior to that so i had a really bad drinking and drug problem. I was homeless for a while prior to my transition. I was smoking crack and actually prostituting. So, you know, I really went downhill. The modeling, after modeling, I just lost it and couldn't function and was so out of control. And I'm so, that's why I always say I celebrate my life a lot. I should not be here. Seriously. It's insane what I, what I went through to get here. It's why, why I am the man I am today and why I'm not scared to say what I need to say. Well, we, we've all been very grateful to you for not towing the kind of trans-orthodoxy line of trans women are women, trans men are men, there's no difference, sex is fluid, gender is fixed. I mean, all of that bullshit that doesn't, that does not translate to anti-trans sentiment in any way. Tell me what you think about that kind of orthodoxy. I mean, how the hell did we get here? How did we get? Well, well, okay. <laughs> you really want to have that conversation? It's disgusting, first <laughs> off. And anyone listening to this, I am not a part of that. That's why I sit with Julie today, because I admire you. I really respect you. I think you're powerful. I think you're amazing. I think you have done wonders for women. I, I just really do like you a lot. And even we have different opinions. I just think... So that being said, I'm a biological female, right? I, 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 I it's the whole reason I'm trans, <laughs> and you know, it's I, I accept that from the get go. I've accepted my biology, and I understand what that means, and it's why I think I am solid. I've never lied to the world. I've never lied to myself. I've never lied to anybody. I knew exactly what I'm doing and what I need to do, and um, so today, and we, this is how we always were. I'm, I'm sure you know right. that we we never denied our biology. We, we were always that's right. why F, FTM female to male, right? Male to MTF. We celebrated that. We were never. So now we have a. So what happened was, I think we were hijacked by a group of people who are. And I'm going to say it, and it might hurt people's feelings, but I'm not here to worry about your feelings. I'm here to speak what I think is happening to my community. 
as well. I worked right. hard in this community to get where right. we are today. So I have every right to say what I'm about to say. Trans women are not women. They're biological males. And I don't know why that's a problem, but it is. And um, they have a different way of being. And many of these trans women are very powerful. As we know, there's some who have a lot of money and a lot of influence. And I think they wanted to take over this community and create. So I think they're envious of women on some level and they want to be a woman. I, I know I'm not a biological man. I know I'm not a man. I want to be a man. That's different. But once you accept right. the fact that you'll never be a woman or a man, you just move forward and people like you. Well, it's, it's lesbians, I'm sure. Lesbians who want to have children together. I'm sure that many lesbians would rather they didn't have to go down to a sperm donor or IVF, that they could have a child together and it would be theirs. That can't happen. So that doesn't mean lesbians aren't great parents. That doesn't mean lesbians shouldn't have children and raise children together. But the point remains that we can't do that as two women. That's never been controversial. Although I have to say, I've met some lesbians so butch they look like they could donate to a sperm bank. Ah, ah, right on. You, we would be rich if we figure that stuff out. We would oh, be you're so rich. Kidding. Well, and then there's pregnant men. Like, oh gosh, really? We're really going there now. Come on, guys, man. That's why I don't it's crazy. align. I don't align with those it's people. Crazy. They're making us look like fools. And they're making everything it's we fought utterly for. utterly crazy. It's disgusting. I mean, I, I, uh-uh. It's disgusting, Julie. It's not crazy. It's disgusting. It's, it's misogyny. A lot of it's misogyny yes. as well. Because yes. That's writing right. out women. But, you know, you and I obviously share some really important values. We share some views. And we can have a good conversation. And I'm sure I'd, I'd actually love to sit and have dinner with you one evening and just have fun. But we don't agree on something. Pornography is probably a bigger dividing line for us than trans ideology because you are a reasonable person about this issue and I'm not a transphobe I don't believe I'm a transphobe and I don't think you're a misogynist but tell me about the pornography and how you got involved with that and let's have a good old ding dong about it in a civilized fashion I appreciate (laughs) you having the conversation it's not you know I don't care if people dislike porn or they have issues around it or they just have different ideas about it. Of course, I have different ideas about all kinds of things. It doesn't necessarily make me not want to have the conversation. And I understand why people have views about it because there is a dark, gross side of pornography. Now, I got into pornography because I was married to a professional dominatrix for many years and I helped her sort of build her sort of online space. And I started learning about that space though that wasn't really pornography on some level it was more well it was i guess you could consider it that but anyway so working with her and seeing different people come to our studios and shoot pornography i saw trans women doing this back you know gosh that was 22 years ago and i was like wow that's so interesting a woman with a penis and i was in my transition stage pretty early into it and then like 10 years into it and I never really had noticed that there was these women making pornography. You know, remember back in the day, they call them chicks with dicks. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crude, but you know, like that kind of stuff. Tranny porn, she-male, it was like, and I was like, oh, dude, it's like a chick with a dick. And I I was like, the man with the pussy. (laughs) I was like, I can do this. (laughs) And And I remember telling my friend, I'm like, dude, 
there's nobody doing this. I'm full. I'm going to do it. And then he said to me, wow, dude, you're going to change. He literally said to me, you're going to change the world. And I was like, what? I'm making porn. (laughs) Never was my intention to be sitting across from you, my friend, but my porn got me to you on some level. And um, so I started doing it with the hate in the world. Oh my God. People went after me, like just everyone, everyone. I mean, what, what happened? Cause it's a, it's a tricky industry, isn't it? Yes, it is. No way was I intended to make educational films or was I doing anything to be what I am doing today? It was more that I just wanted to be a millionaire. I'll be honest with you. I was doing, I'm going to make a million bucks, right? I'm like, ah, this is going to be so awesome. And um, <laughs> then I got hate from trans men, from, from women, from, pardon me, gay women, from everyone across, even the, even the porno industry came after me. They called me a freak. You're a weirdo. I go, are you kidding me? You guys have 500 man gangbangs. Now I'm not going to even like say what I feel about that. So it's the same thing. How dare you say that about me? And they have clown porn. I mean, pretty much Google anything. It's probably made. There's a porn genre for everything. I mean, I came across one a long time ago for men with a predilection for rubbing tomato soup and custard into young girls' hair. I mean, how the hell people find each other on this was pre-in this was pre-internet for fuck's sake. So here I am doing it and really against the grain and really not having any support whatsoever. But I I'm that guy who was like, really? Watch this. So I felt like it was a challenge. And I, I was willing to take the challenge and I pushed through it until I started to be sort of on some level celebrated and people started writing me, not only trans men, thank you for doing this my body, I feel much more. Com- so here's the deal. You know, I celebrate my vagina as, as a, as a dude, I don't have the bottom surgery and I I'm so grateful. The universe didn't steer me in the other direction. And I, I really wanted to sort of show that I can still be this guy with this vagina and celebrate it. And I don't feel any less of male on some level. And many guys wrote me and they said, thank you, Buck. I don't want to get the bottom surgery, but I feel like um, I'm forced into it. Because back in the day, if you didn't get bottom surgery, you were not trans, man. And uh, it was very pushed on us. And um, I just wasn't going to do it. I, I like sex. And, you know, I like I like that. And I wanted to have orgasms. And I didn't want to go through all of that. So the men did thank me on some level. And then people started writing me, wow, this is so interesting. And, of course, I got the weirdo weirdos, you know, wanting to, like, meet me in the alley and like just it was I mean I have email after one day I'm gonna make a book of all the crazy emails people sent me back in the day it was so insane I should do the same you should oh my god people would love to read those emails you should totally make transphobe the book (laughs) great so so tell me but do you think it's possible to produce pornography that is not misogynistic or problematic? Well, you know, I'm going to say that I don't necessarily think that my work is is misogynist. Now, is it problematic? You know, that that's relative, I think, on some level. What's problematic to me or to you is is different. Same with morals. My morals might be different than your morals. It doesn't make me worse than you or I just have a different way of being. I try to be respectful 
I know this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but I try to be respectful with my pornography on some level. I don't push it in people's faces. I never have. You know, I it's, you got to look for it to find it. It's not you open up an email from me and <laughs> there's a naked body, right? So I've always sort of been understanding how delicate it is to walk the porn world. It's very difficult. It's not easy. People don't like you. And, you know, I, I, I so I realized that it can be problematic for some people and it can um, look misogynist, but you have to understand my fan base was men and my fan base was gay men, which is also kind of right. shocking on some level. It was not women. I would say now I have a way bigger fan base. My my whole fan base is female now, which is not really? my porn, not my porn fan base, but because I don't do porn anymore. But but now, yes, women are like 70 percent of my fan follower base on some level it's kind of fascinating to me you know in 2015 i went to the la porn awards i didn't win anything uh, obviously i was a i was there as a reporter and it was full of women who were being used in pornography who appeared to be very drugged up whether on prescription medication or alcohol or coke you name it they looked off their heads full of very macho men saying pretty disgusting stuff about women the whole milf um it was it mums i'd like to fuck genre was big at the time and they were they were saying hideously demeaning things about older women and the the executives um in the room during the awards they're all there drinking their kind of premium grey goose and just looking as macho as macho can be. And the atmosphere was toxic. Um, and how did you, how do, when you were involved in porn, how did you cope at those kind of mainstream gigs? So this is why I think I survived so well. Um, I have a business mind. Uh, thank God, right? I didn't graduate high school, by the way. I'm not an academic. I did not finish high school. I, everything you see today is self-taught. I have the determination. And um, I had determination to make it. And so when these dudes, because it's gross, oh, no doubt, I will I will totally side with you on that. There's some sick, nasty stuff that happens. That's the straight world. And I never really got involved in that because I just find it not my space and so I dealt with it by kind of staring away from it and understanding where my customer base was and understanding that I can fight only one fight at a time and so you need to also understand yes there are drugged up girls yes there are young girls being put in this space yes there is toxicity a hundred percent anyone who denies that in our industry is not doing us a service so I will always admit there's a very deep dark side of that industry but i also think there's a positive side of the industry and people want to make things that are representative of things that haven't been represented before and i think you know there's women-owned pornography companies which kind of sounds crazy maybe to you but they wanted to sort of have their own space in it and be able to create their own way women women view this stuff differently than men do men go to it just to release women might go to it for a different reason they, they want to be you know you, you got to take a woman out to dinner my friend it's not you don't get to jump in the car <laughs> and, and have that that's man stuff and and so I realized like 
I had to find my space and it was gay men. So I, I really steered towards the gay male space, which also can be pretty insane. And, you know, I want to also say this. I grew up in the AIDS epidemic. I lost all my friends to AIDS. So I've been very, very really? attached to that. You know, I, I was a lesbian at the time. And, you know, we all fought with, for that. And we all were there for our guys. And, you know, it was yeah. devastating. It's de that one always makes me cry. And so, you know, it's something I remember all the time. And so when I started doing the porn, I'm like, I'm not going to do condomless porn. That is gross, especially when we had AIDS. And it's my responsibility on some level as a pornographer to show safe sex is hot and I remember I got nailed people were just like you're gross how dare you do this with a condom and I was like what that's my body that was my first taste of misogyny it, it is incredible the way that pornographers play Russian roulette with some porn actors and legislation can't go anywhere near it because these are mafia guys that they, they, they just they rule the entire I mean, they pay everybody off. They don't want... They don't want to keep people safe. They just want to bring money in. And when people talk about pornographers being obsessed with sex, no, they're not. They're obsessed with money. That's what turns them on. It's the same thing with the trans thing. You think it's all about making us safe and move forward? No, everything is built on money. Are you kidding me? You can see it. When things get pushed like that... So that's the one of the problems I have. You know, of course, I went to this thinking, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? Far from it. <laughs> In fact, I ne never made hardly any money. But one thing I did learn was to create my own business. And I created all my own movies and I own everything. And it's all mine under my own company, which might sound like whatever, but it's a big deal. I own everything. Nobody can touch my stuff unless I let them. I, I want to ask you about Big Pharma because I'm very anti-conspiracy theory. I'm anti-conspiracy theories about patriarchy, about COVID, about Big Pharma. But there's something about Big Pharma. What the hell is going on with the level of medical intervention as opposed to allowing kids to live happily in their own body? There has to be a connection, doesn't there, Buck? 100%. There's no way... First off, we, we know this, me and you are so in alignment with this. You know, I'm full on against transitioning a child. No way. I grew up a tomboy. I lived as a lesbian. Thank God I had all that life experience before I made the choice. Yeah, I struggled. So did you. So did you. So did you. So did you. How dare you say we can't let our child struggle? I'm a dad too, right? Yeah, that kid's right. going to struggle. He's got to walk to school. I'm not getting you a bike to drive. Walk, dude. We've lost this idea that kids are so like... They just need to be like in this. No, you better teach this kid to walk the world in a way that he might get his feelings hurt. But anyway, that being said, it's not that. That's kind of a, a sort of disguise on some level. We want to save these kids. They're all suffering. No, no. It's money, first off. It's experimentation. It's um, pharmaceutical. They see money. There is no, they're, you know, they projected this to be a $5 billion dollar business now i think more and then i saw on market watch which is a stock market website and they're telling investors to invest in trans surgery it's going to be a five billion dollar really market. five billion dollar market i mean and this is you and i saw this during the aids epidemic we saw the way that drugs were either held back or ineffective ones were pushed forward where lives could have been saved but big pharma wasn't having it and that massively affected the timing for some uh for some AIDS sufferers for some 
men who could have had those drugs. Was it Reagan? No, I think it was Reagan here. He was making fun. It was Reagan. People, I, I actually just recently heard an, uh, an audio of him lit, laughing. Everyone in the White House, haha, what's this AIDS stuff? Like, haha, we don't. Ha-. I was like, what? They were literally laughing at us and make, making fun of us while we're all just dropping dead. It's sick. I couldn't even believe I was hearing it. And yet here we have now Big Pharma is pushing these very, very toxic puberty blockers on kids and wanting to push through legislation that would enable kids of any age to be put on puberty blockers. And we have one political party here, um, the Liberal Democrats, that are funded, their campaigns are funded uh, to the tune of a significant amount of money by these drugs companies, by trans medicine. That's right. And who's at the forefront of all this? That What's her name? Rathblatt. Uh, you know who she is? I think she's the one who started Sirius Radio. You should look into, there's like five very wealthy trans women who are like right. billionaires. You know, damn, they're older. They all transitioned at an older age. So this is also something I'm noticing, right? So we have this very, very big upswing of youth right? Transitioning all the way down to babies, trans pediatrics. Get out of here. Get out of my face. Those two words are never. Trans pediatrics. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. We literally have a trans pediatric at the LA Children's Hospital here, which is what? That's that Dr. Olson. We sure do. Ah, Dr. Olson. (laughs) Yep. Dr. Olson. So she's ahead of, she's pretty much on the forefront of this here. And, um, so that being said, yeah, we, we so th- my point being is, why do we have such a huge upswing in youth? Where are the adults transitioning? If it was an actual, re- because people go, I go, what's happening? They're like, Buck, it's just more easily access- accessible and people are more open to it. I go, no, no, that's not true. Because if it was true, adults would true. be, tra- that's not true. Because adults will be transitioning at the same rate as the youth and the youth is exactly. out of control. So don't like, I'm not an idiot. And do you think that I actually don't want people to transition? Of course I do, Julie. But people who are ready to do it, people who have done the work, they have to do the work. You can't just transition. Now we have detransitioners. Tell me, because you support detransitioners, and it warms my heart each time you see us. I see you in dialogue with one of my friends, Richie, Sinead, any of the, the young people that are really going through hell but are desperately brave and honorable they're honorable and they are selfless but you know they're in real trouble because they are rejected by some of the trans extremists they're even some of them are even rejected by some a very small number but hard hard line lesbians who actually are transphobic who think that they betrayed them when actually this is the last attitude that we should have. Tell me what we do to support detransitioners because I also don't want to pathologize. I don't want to patronize some detransition people don't even want to be called detransitioners. I want to get it right. How do we do this? 
Yeah, no, that's a, that's an excellent question. Now, I don't know how they want to be called. All I know is I kind of respect what they want. And so most of the ones I know, like Watson and all those people uh, who I highly support and make right. sure that they know they're loved by me. I'm an old school tranny. You cannot mess with me. That's why I'm still here, my friend. I will not side with untruth and I will not side with nonsense. I'm here because of honesty and truth. Those kids got hurt because of our stupid community. And so right. I'm going to take responsibility, even though it's not my responsibility. I am because I care about those kids and they are still part of this community. So they call themselves D-trans. I'll call them. Maybe they're going to move on to another label. Mm -hmm. But how dare we say the things we say to those kids? And the kids who are saying that to those people are insecure. First off, they're not trans. That's why they're doing it. Because I said, why doesn't it bother me? Why do I feel love in my heart for these kids? Why do I, it just has no effect on my transition whatsoever. Right. And so why are you all freaking out about it? You should be actually saying, wait a minute here, we are doing something wrong. I look at them as gold, which is actually a horrible thing to say. But, you know, I look at them as, wow, this is going to help us stop the madness. That's how I look at these kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing with my work when I campaign to end men's violence towards women and girls. And I don't want one woman to be raped. I do not want one child to be abused. I do not want one woman to be killed in a domestic violence situation. But when this does happen, and when some of these women choose to speak out and join the campaign as victim survivors, my God, does that help future potential victims and it helps the other women. And we can celebrate that without being accused of actually wanting those women to have been put through hell in the first place. So none of us, we don't want any regret. We don't want any kids, young people to have to go through transition and then detransition. But if we can support these young people to actually stand up and fight, then we should take the bullets for them. Thank you, my friend. I feel the exact, I do the same with women's rights. I will not turn my back on women. I don't care what you call me. I don't care. You call me every name in the book. It's a name, people. I'm older than that. Like, you cannot hurt me with turf. Are you kidding me? Like, who do you think I am? A big baby? I'm not. I'm a strong individual who has actual morals and I have integrity. And I will not turn my back on women as I will not turn my back on these young people. They need people like us right now. That We're old enough and been through so much that we are in this position to help these young people. And that's my position here today. I am here to help those kids get out of the, you know, here's what I want to say about transitioning. It is a lifelong space, people. It's not you, you put on a hat and take it off. It's literally lifelong. You are medicalizing people forever. I chose that. Even with all the health problems, whatever's going on, I chose it. It's my space. Nobody can say anything to me. These young people are being led down this space by lies and deceit. They're being lied to. They are being transitioned before they're even going through mental health. They're putting the cart before the horse, if, for a lack of a better expression, right? They're, they're medicalizing these kids right. before they're getting any – trans is in your brain. It's a mental disorder. It's in your brain. It's not in your body. That's second. I would hope that we try to get these kids out of that dysphoric space. That's my goal. I don't want these kids to transition unless they really, really need to do it. Well, right on. And let me ask you this, Buck. You've been very outspoken. You have come in for a lot of abuse. What effect has speaking out against the orthodoxy had and how do you deal with it? No, it sucks. <laughs> it actually yeah, sucks. It does. 
It does. It sucks. And it hurts. You know, I, I have done a lot of work, thankless work, and that's okay. I didn't do travel the world and put myself out there and do the things I have done for, you know, the last 20, 30 years to get any thanks. That's not really why I did it. I did it because I'm that community person. I did it when I was in the lesbian community. I did it when I was in Queer Nation. We marched for AIDS. It's always been very dear to my heart to be part of a community. So it hurts when a bunch of young people who probably aren't even trans and just literally rake me over the coals. So what I did at first, I got freaked. <laughs> I literally got freaked out because, you know, I make my business is also created for the trans male community. I started to create products for them and I was doing great. All of a sudden I started seeing boycott Buck Angel. I'm like, what, what? I created the very first product for the trans male community in the world. Whether you agree with sex toys or whatever, this was a very important product that helped guys sort of connect to not having to get surgery in the bottom. But anyway, yeah, there went my my business kind of took a dive. And I was like, okay, you want to play that game with me, my friends? <laughs> right on. It literally lit a fire under my ass. I was like, you will not mess with me like that. You will not. And on some level, that boycott, made me made me want to be here today with you and i knew i was doing something right and i knew they were trying to shut my voice down and i knew they were hijacking and appropriating our community and i was like i'm not taking i don't care if i have to eat top ramen <laughs> for the rest of my i've been worse i've been homeless crack you know i've been way worse i got a roof over my head i got a beautiful partner and a kid and no you will not mess with me and my partner's hugely supportive of of what I do. And so with the backing of my family and the backing of my great friends are like, do it. You know, I feel such an affinity with you in so many ways because, you know, I've been targeted by the extremists since the early 2000s and called a Nazi and a bigot and Hitler. I mean, I've asked this before. Why is it always Hitler? Why can't they liken me to a mid-range dictator, you know? Pol Pot, someone like that, but it's always Hitler. The women, the young women, the handmaidens, I used to really resist that phrase, but I use it now. The handmaidens, the capitulators, the ones on their knees for the patriarchy when they don't have to be because these are middle-class, privileged, university-educated women. They, they boycott me, they picket me, they call me a turf and a Nazi and all I've done all my adult life is campaign for no salary. They don't understand cam campaigning does not bring a salary, right? I mean, I'm a privileged, privileged, lucky person, but I've got a supportive partner. I've got a home. But, you know, we do this work as campaigners, don't we? And then all of a sudden, they're calling you the worst names under the sun. And it hurts like hell. And then I take the attitude you take, which is, you are not going to stop me doing this. You are not going to make me lose my principles. I have made mistakes and I will make mistakes again. I will apologise when I get things wrong. Some of the things I have said have been offensive, but I absolutely will not be written off as a Nazi. When there are actual fucking Nazis trying to take over entire countries and run economies into the ground and shove migrants and asylum seekers into the sea rather than give them any kind of refuge. I will not let that happen. That's our alignment. We've worked forever for this community and for our rights. And you think you're going to come along? First off, I'm going to say it. Trans women are ahead of this whole thing. And trans men are a bunch of pussies. And they're just following in lockstep inside of it. Because remember, 
We are socialized as women. We have a different way of being. Those trans women are, and that's why they don't want you to talk about their biology. They're socialized as dudes. They have a whole, and it's not disrespectful for me to say that. So sit down, everybody. It's not. It's a factual statement I'm making. They come from a different way of being. They're used to getting everything they need. How do I know that? I'm a dude now. I get everything I need. I'm like a walk down the street. It's literally magic. I'm like, okay, well, I see now I man. (laughs) I agree with you about the socialization. I have been in the early days before trans ideology became a thing. I have stood up and faced down men that were threatening to kill and rape and beat, who were saying that domestic violence didn't exist, that we were all frigid bitches and lesbian cunts and all the rest of it. And I'm damn sure that I'm not going to bend the knee to another set of patriarchs. And those trans women that do behave like that, and of course we're not talking about all trans women, but the ones we know we're talking about, I will not capitulate to them because they are the they are the manliest men. If they don't want to be called men, they stop acting like men. They should stop acting like them. Since when do women act like insane weirdos punching women in the face? Are you insane? You've just gone back a million years. By the way, thank God. You know, I feel bad for Posey Parker, honestly, but and I feel bad for Riley Gaines. But those two incidents are gold for us. Gold. It's sad. It's horrible. But I'm telling you, they're messing up now. They're, They're so egotistical and narcissistic they think they can start punching women in the face that's when i literally hide enough i'm not kidding right i hate that word literally why did i say that but you know what i mean <laughs> you know if you remove if if you if you tell the kids with the blue fringes they're not allowed to use the word literally or actually they would have no more words left to say apart from turf you know, Buck, I just, I, 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 I want to bring our conversation to a close by asking you about your plans for the near and the, uh, you know, further along the line future about what you're doing now. What are you working on? What's in your scheming brain right now? Yeah, you know me. <laughs> so in my scheming brain is really, really pushing the information out there about puberty blockers are trash and that children should never even be near that. And as an older transsexual, I, I have power. Whether these people want to believe it or not, I have power. I'm masking a large group of people who respect me and not wing nuts at all. People like you who respect me, who understand and who are raising my voice and my trajectory. So I'm writing my book right now, which is like the literally right. the perfect time. Literally. Ah, can't believe I just did it again. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> Next time I see you, you'll have blue hair. <laughs> I, totally, can, I don't have any hair. So luckily me. Can we say anything about, about your book? Is it kind of embargoed? What, what can you tell me about it? Well, I could tell you about it. It's really a memoir, and it's in a, and I have a, a awesome woman who's helping me write it because I, I, you know, I'm not right. a writer. I'm a speaker, and as you know, because you're a writer and you're a beautiful writer, it's a skill. And I'm not going to pretend like I have that skill. It's like acting. You know, you no one can just walk on stage. You got to learn right. how to do this. I'm not good at writing. I'm good at speaking. But that being said, I found a woman, and I wanted a woman writer because I felt a different. I feel a kinship on some level with women that I don't feel with men, and I think that they sort of get me on some level. So I found this amazing writer woman and she was so like into it and her writing skill is so great and we already have a lot of interest in it you know there's major publishers that won't touch me you know that i think i do i have a really good 
agent. And also I have interest in it. I have interest from from some big spaces. And so um, it's going to get done and it's going to get put out there and I'm going to get a huge amount of support. I said, you know, I don't care if you don't want to do it. I'll go on Amazon and self-publish. You think you're going to stop me from printing this book? Good luck. You you won't need to do that book. I mean, even as even as we're talking now, I'm going to message you privately after this conversation because I can think of a publisher that I think would be very interested. Thank you so much. See, see what I mean? There you go, my friends. That's how we make it work. So it's a win-win. It is. And I'm here for, I'm here for you, friend. Whether, whether you like my past stuff going on, it doesn't matter. I'm here for women and children. You don't need to do this. And I know what it feels like to be treated in this way by your community that you've done so much for. And not only that, but you have never backed down and you've always been supportive of those of us whether you agree with us or not that are being unfairly treated and you've got that sense of justice haven't you oh my gosh i i, I totally do i don't care if, yeah that's right we don't might not agree on some who cares about that the ultimate thing is misogyny this is massage. I fought for massage. I fought for women's rights. I will not stand us going back. And I say us because I'm part of you. I'm a biological sure. female and I live half my life that way. I'm literally in the middle right now. I've lived half as a man and half as a woman. So I right. see things in a very different way. And I have male privilege. There's no doubt about it. So why aren't I using it? You know, I have, I'm like a Trojan horse on, on some level, right? Like, no, you will not speak to women like that. Gross. I get in fights all the time with these trans women. You think you're so badass. Here's my address. You can't dox me. I'll give you my address. Show up. They never do. I'll meet you at Starbucks right here. Nope. Crickets. Brilliant. They're not that badass. Don't let those, they're badass <laughs> in numbers, numbers, right? 300 of them against Riley Gaines. Oh, wow. You guys are so powerful. You're gross. You're all gross. You're not activists. You're bullies and terrorists and militant. And it has nothing to do with being trans at all. I have so enjoyed this conversation, Buck. I really I hope it's one of many more that we're going to have moving forward. I hope so. I hope to meet you when I come to the UK. It would be beautiful. Thank you, friend. Thank you for listening. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that we should always... Give credit where it's due to those that speak up when others are being silenced unfairly, being maligned, being vilified for simply stating facts and critiquing something that we genuinely believe is harmful. Now, book won't change my mind about either the porn industry or transsexuality as a concept or a medical diagnosis. But it doesn't mean that we can't respect each other. Until next time.